<clears throat> Daniel chapter 4. Kind of an interesting chapter because it begins at the ending, at the ending, not the inning, that's not a baseball chapter. That's, that's Genesis 1-1, right? In the big inning. Never mind. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 1. It's also unusual because it's kind of reported, at least, at least parts of it, from Nebuchadnezzar speaking. Whether Daniel is, is taking notes and, and, then, and then transcribes this into the inspired word that he's writing, but that we have here a, a pagan king reporting these things that happen. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. It opens with this almost a, a, a Paul-type salutation of, of peace be multiplied to you. Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, first the general under his father Nabopolassar, the first king of the Neo-Babylonian Empire, who had conquered uh, Assyria and Egypt and, Ju and Judah or Israel, and then became king when his father died in 605 B.C. He, he's writing, he wants this message is for all people, all, all of the known world or his, his kingdom. He, he's sending out this, this praise, a declaration of praise about the, the sovereignty of God, the, the most high God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Daniel's God. He, he, he begins by sort of, uh, he, he says, it seemed good to me to show you the signs and wonders that God has performed for who? For him, for Nebuchadnezzar. He, he's, he's acknowledging what God has done for him. What kind of signs and wonders have we seen? Okay, what are signs and wonders? Is it... Is it just two terms that we hear so often? We know what they mean, but they're hard to define. I mean, do you just say, okay, signs and wonders. I know what that is. But help me out. Give me a definition for signs and wonders. If you, if you hear that phrase, what do you think of? Miracles, Miracles is real. That, that's the first thing that popped into my, my mind. It's like, how? I kind of got bogged down on it for a little while. You know, what are signs and wonders? I think Dr. Constable says signs are more of natural events and wonders are supernatural miracles. So Nebuchadnezzar is acknowledging God has shown me things that are, that are natural. He, he's realized that God put this whole world in, into motion that the sun comes up every day and it sets every night, that the seasons change. But he's also shown Nebuchadnezzar wonders, supernatural events, miracles. 
What miracles do you remember that we have looked at that Daniel recorded prior to chapter 4? That Nebuchadnezzar may be saying, okay, it's all coming together now. I'm, I'm realizing all of these things have happened because God is showing me he's, he's, he, he, it seemed good for God to show Nebuchadnezzar. And now Nebuchadnezzar, I want to tell you, I want to tell everybody what God has done for me. Dreams and interpretations, telling dreams, the fiery furnace that he cast in three men, the, 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 the mighty men of Nebuchadnezzar who threw them in died upon the platform. They were burned, but the three men who went into the fiery furnace were, uh, were not touched. They weren't singed. They didn't even have the smell of smoke on them when, when they came out. And then as he looked in there, there were four men that he saw the angel of the Lord walking and talking with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But chapter 4, each, each, after each of those events, Nebuchadnezzar sort of had this um, mild awakening, a realization that Daniel's God is real, but it didn't last. It, it was like he had this... Uh, one, one writer put it, a religious conviction without a spiritual conversion that he realized there is a God, but he didn't exclusively believe in him. Now, I think God has really gotten Nebuchadnezzar's attention, and, he, and, he, and Nebuchadnezzar wants to proclaim this to all the world. He has my interpretation is that he has had that spiritual conversion now, that he, he believes in, in the one true God. And he says his signs are great, his wonders are mighty, and his kingdom is going to be an everlasting kingdom. That now he understands that rock uncut by human hands that, that, that destroys that statue that represented all earthly kingdoms and that God's kingdom is the only one that's going to endure and that his dominion is forever and ever. So he began with the ending. He began where, where he was at the point of, of, of telling this, writing this account. Verse 3 then begins the, um, just, just the summary of, of this revelation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, 
saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretations. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and it, its top reached the heaven. And it was, visible, it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, Belteshazzar, tell the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. I guess this is only the second dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, but he has some doozies of dreams. I mean, world-class dreamer. And God gave him this dream slash nightmare to awaken him, to show him who is God, who is the true God. Is that surprising I mean, really, it's not, but, okay, it can be, it could be. Pretend that, that you are surprised that God gave Nebuchadnezzar this, this dream. Who is Nebuchadnezzar? He is a Gentile, evil, despot ruler who destroyed Solomon's temple that God had, had, had allowed Israel to build that his presence might be there in Jerusalem with the people, do you expect God to reach out in his mercy and grace and love to a Gentile? Did Daniel and, and his friends, did, did the, the, high, the former high priest of Israel think that, oh, God wants to save even Nebuchadnezzar? He's, he's definitely on the... the, the the naughty list, the, the there's no way that guy's going to be saved list. 
do we have those sort of lists in the back of our mind? Somebody that we work with, somebody that, that we're related to, somebody that we just see at the gas station. It's like, no way, no how, you know. And when we have that list, do we even transfer or add to that, that notion that God just doesn't love that person? I mean, don't raise your hand, don't say anything, but I, sometimes we do have that sort of attitude. So God gives Nebuchadnezzar this, this nightmare, sort of a personal invitation of here's what is going to happen, here's who you are, here's who I am, and it's all by God's grace that he is extending this invitation, this picture to Nebuchadnezzar, I think that Nebuchadnezzar might come to believe in the one true God. When does this happen to Nebuchadnezzar? There are a lot of contrasts in, in this passage, contrast between God and Nebuchadnezzar, but I think also contrast then that we can jump forward 2,600 years and say, oh, that's, that's how I am. That's how my life is. That's how our society is, our church, whatever it is. Notice how it starts. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was what? At ease and prospering in my palace. He's going through, you know, the good times. This is the roaring 20s, the 1920s, not the 2020 with COVID-19 and all that. He's going through this, this, this great time. He has conquered all of, of the world, the kingdoms around him. He has probably by now finished those building projects. How great, and this is kind of jumping ahead, but how great was, was Babylon? They had these, these walls, what were they, 80 feet tall, that they could, they could drive four chariots abreast, I think is, is the, the, uh, the estimation that they could even have chariot races around this. He built the hanging gardens, brought in all this dirt, made this fake mountain inside the city of Babylon because his wife was from, 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 from Media, from, from uh, the, the Medan-Persian area, Iran. And he's taken her to the desert of Iraq. And so he builds her the hanging gardens of, of Babylon. That was, was a mountain in there. He's finished that. He built the Ishtar Gate, this 40-foot-high this gate in that 80-foot-high wall that was on the original list of the seven wonders of the ancient world, but was taken off and removed when the uh, library in Alexandria, Egypt, was built. But the, so he had two of the, of the original seven wonders of the ancient world that he had done. He's at ease. There, there are no more wars to fight, no more people to conquer. He's, he's sitting there prospering, and then he has this dream. Is there any application that we can make to the timing of the dream? I mean, God's timing is perfect. Nebuchadnezzar's like, ah, finally, I can rest, a, a well-deserved rest. Some scholars say that, that there's a period of time between, I think it's 582 and 575, that there are no records, 
extra-biblical, non-biblical records, historical records of Nebuchadnezzar fighting any wars during that, that time. And, and that, so that, that, they, that leads them to conclude this is probably about when that happened. Uh, so he's, he's nearing the end of his, of his reign, uh, and, and, but he's been, he's been successful. It's, it's his golden years. He's, he's relaxing and, and secure. Can we relate to that? And all of a sudden, God jumps in and says, you may, you just think you're secure. You just think you're successful. You just think you've prospered. You just think you can relax, that that God's timing is, is perfect with this nightmare to Nebuchadnezzar. What was the result of this, of this dream? In verse five, he said, I saw a dream and what? It made me afraid. Did he ever have any good dreams? I mean, maybe, maybe Daniel didn't write down these good dreams that Nebuchadnezzar had of, of you know, maybe, maybe a great feast or, or, or something like that. So, so now he's, he's kind of like he was in chapter 2. He's had a dream and he's, and he's terrified. He said, I lay in, the, in my bed and these fancies and visions alarmed me. So what does he do? What would, what would I do? What would you do? I've had this dream. I'm, I'm totally afraid. I'm, I, I don't know what it means. I, he may have had an idea of what it meant. You know, maybe that's why it was more frightening. What does he say he did? He made a decree... So there's, there's going to be a contrast in, in, in the chapter with Nebuchadnezzar's decree and God's decree. He makes this decree and, and does what? He calls in all of the conjurers, magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, astrologers, What's he doing by, by calling in the same old guys? The, say it again. He doesn't learn very well. He didn't learn. <laughs> <laughs> and this is years and, you know, what has he seen? He, he knows that Daniel, and he's even going to testify to that, he knows that Daniel serves the most high God, the real, true, living God. He knows that Daniel can interpret dreams, but he calls in these same charlatans that they're just on the payroll. They really don't do anything to earn their, to earn their keep. He, call, he calls them in again. Why? He doesn't learn very fast. Very good. He doesn't want to hear from God. Hmm. Can that reflect our attitude sometimes? Like, okay, I'm going to do... Right. 
who am I going to turn to? Somebody that agrees with me or somebody that really knows the truth? Okay, there's going to be a lot of questions and observations. We're, just, we're not going to raise our hands and say, you know, that's, that's me. But, but, but you know as well as I do that a lot of times that it really is how we act or, or react to whatever the situation is. I don't need to hear this. I want to hear that. No, we don't. <laughs> I saw two signs coming in. I shouldn't even say this because I've forgotten the second one. But <laughs> they, they were total opposites. Maybe Kenneth has seen them on, the, on our road to church. But one of them says, pray for America. And I can't remember. But the other one, it was almost like the opposite. And it, but it wasn't necessarily like a blatant you know, go out and steal from your neighbor type of thing. It was, but it was like, huh, it's, it's, it, it sounds good. I'll look when I go home and I'll write it down or take a picture or something, but it's like, pray for America. Okay, that's, that's a reminder. But there are other signs in our culture that are, that are just the antithesis of, of that. So Nebuchadnezzar calls in these, these same, the, these same Chaldeans, does it say anything about his spiritual condition or his or the hardness of his heart that he's 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 i think his spirit his 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 heart has become calloused that he's had these examples of Daniel giving him the dream and the interpretation Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fourth man in the fiery furnace. And yet even, even with all that, his, his heart has been, has been calcified. He's, he, he doesn't have a, a, a tender heart or a, a, a moldable heart. He's, he's in this, uh, this spiritual lethargy. John Calvin said that, when God wishes to lead us to repentance, he's compelled to repeat his blows. In other words, he, he says we, we sometimes seem aroused for a, for a time. Nebuchadnezzar was, was aroused in chapter 2 and chapter 3, but it, but it, but it ended. It was just a short time. And in, and in no time at all, he, he returned to his, his spiritual stupor. And so what does God do? He doesn't mind whipping us the same way again, but maybe more intensified. And this, and this dream is even greater than the one in chapter 2. You know, that was showing the Nebuchadnezzar, the head, and then the Medes and the Persians and the, and the, and the Greeks and the Romans and even a future, a future uh, kingdoms. This one is very personal to Nebuchadnezzar. It is, it is you. you. You are the tree. So finally, he calls in Daniel. 
verse 8. But notice the different ways he refers to Daniel and, and, and help me decide what all that means. Remember, he's writing this after it happens, but he's kind of telling how it happened. That it's that it's 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 a past tense, but he's he's jumping into to recounting it as if it's as if it's present present tense. Verse eight. At last, Daniel came in before me. So as he looks back, he he calls him Daniel. God is my judge. That that he he's he's recognizing that that this middle-aged man now that Daniel's probably, you know, past 45, going on 50. He's been serving Nebuchadnezzar for probably close to 25, 30 years. Finally, Daniel came in after these Chaldeans. Well, the ESV, several translations say they could not make known to me. The, um, the, the New King James says they did not make known to me. And, and, I, and I heard, read one commentator said they probably didn't want to make known to him. You know, can you, should you, do, or do you want, would you? So finally Daniel comes in. And then sort of a, a parenthesis. He who was named Belteshazzar after the name of my God and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream saying, O Belteshazzar, the chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too di difficult for you, tell me the visions of the dream that I saw and their interpretations. <clears throat> so, so he's kind of retelling it. Daniel's probably writing this for uh, us from, from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view. Nebuchadnezzar says, At last, Daniel, God is my judge, this one who serves the real God came in before me. Daniel, he was called Belteshazzar. So you think at this time, Nebuchadnezzar's probably calling him Belteshazzar. May Bel be his, his protector. He's named after my gods, but I know in Daniel resides the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, oh, Daniel, chief of the magicians. He's lumping him into that category with the Chaldeans, the enchanters, the, the astrologers, the magicians. He, he's, he's, he's still seeing him prior to the, to the end of this chapter as one of those guys, one of those magicians. What would have been a, a more accurate description of Daniel's job? Okay, just about anything, but... Daniel, the prophet of the Most High God. But, but, but Nebuchadnezzar is, is calloused. He's, he's spiritually lethargic, just kind of, kind of dead. He was at ease and prospering in his physical life his, as being king, but he was spiritually dead when, when this began. So he, he tells Daniel, I know you can make known to me this interpretation. No, no, um, no mystery is too difficult for you. 
the New King James says, no secret troubles you. Nebuchadnezzar is starting to remember what, what's happened before. But he's still searching through, he, he began searching through his, his old methods, looking back for those, to, to those Chaldeans and, and, and magicians. Why was Daniel... Why would Daniel not be troubled by a dream or an interpretation? Or, or why would, would, would no mystery, why would Nebuchadnezzar think no mystery would be too difficult for him? Because Daniel is in step with, with God, with, with the Lord. Nebuchadnezzar realizes that. Now, Daniel is going to be troubled by the interpretation of the, of the dream, but Nebuchadnezzar says, I know this is not too difficult for you. From Daniel's perspective, he knows that God is in control of, of, of all history. So then he begins to tell him this, this dream. He said, these are the visions of my head as I lay in bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was, height was great. The tree grew, became strong. It reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of heaven lived in its branches and all flesh fed from it. So Nebuchadnezzar sees this, this great tree that, that's obviously the center of, of humanity, the center of, of, of mankind, so to, so to speak. Or he, he gets the idea, this is, this is the kingdom. This tree represents an earthly kingdom. It represents Nebuchadnezzar and, and Babylon. He sees this. It, it's, it's tall. It's mighty. It, it feeds animals. It, it provides shelter for animals. So far, is the dream scary or would it be concerning to Nebuchadnezzar? Probably not. He just sees this tree. Oh, this, this, is, this is good. The tree is a good thing. It's, it says that it's beautiful. Where did I stop? 13? Okay, now comes the, the frightening part. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. Uh, a, a they say that watcher, the, the word translated watcher, that it's, this is the only place in the Bible that it's used. Now, that's what I heard. So you can this afternoon go read the Bible and see if you see any any watcher, but it's kind of an unusual word. It's a holy one, so it's it's a messenger from from God. It's 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 an angel comes down. What does he say? Chop down the tree, lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. The beast will flee from under it, the bird from its branches, but leave the stump 
of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron, bronze, amid the tender grass of the, of the field. So the watcher comes and, and, and this frightens Nebuchadnezzar. This tree is to be chopped down, destroyed, stripped of all its branches. All of the, the, the animals and birds that take refuge and are fed there are going to, 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 to flee from, from, this, from the tree. Right there in the middle of verse 15, though, the pronoun changes. Up until now, it's been it, meaning an, an inanimate object, or could be a dog or a cat, you'd call it an it. Sometimes we call them a he or a she, but it's, it's an inanimate object, an, an it. But <clears throat> the middle of verse 15, let him be, it changes to him, to, to he. All of a sudden, it, it, it changes from an it to a he, a, a person. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts of the, in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He wills and sets over it the lowliest men, the lowliest of men. This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are, for the Spirit of the holy gods lives in you. So now Nebuchadnezzar, when he, when he had this dream and when he woke up from this dream, is, is, is deeply uh, afraid that watchers come. This watcher, this holy one, this angel says, chop down the tree. And then he starts, then it gets personal. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in, uh, in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. Did Nebuchadnezzar really need somebody to interpret the dream? Does he, it, maybe he has a little bit of, of an idea of, I think this could be about me, but I need to, I want to make sure just in case it's somebody else. that it moves from talking about the, the, the tree in an inanimate object to a personal he, him. Now we have a decree, another decree. Nebuchadnezzar had made the decree to bring in all of the Chaldeans, wise men, to interpret the dream. But now the watcher gives this decree that comes from who? It comes from the most holy God. And Nebuchadnezzar realizes that, well, that decree I made is nothing compared to the decree that, that the most high God rules. But he also tells us why Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, the, 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 the end, the purpose of this. Verse 17, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers. The decision is by the word of the holy ones to the end for the result that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives to it whom He wills. So the, so the purpose of the dream was, was what? 
to show Nebuchadnezzar that God has placed him in the position that he's in, but also who else is included in that? It says to show to the living. I mean, that's past, present, and future. Really, the, 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 the other, it's going to show the Chaldeans, the magicians, the astrologers. It's going to show Nebuchadnezzar's uh, generals. It's going to reinforce what Daniel already knows. But it also demonstrates to us what? It's, it's almost... It's almost redundant to the point of, I think, that we overlook it that God is sovereign. God is in control. In, 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 in the, the, the whole book of Daniel just gives us that theme over and over and over. Is there a reason why it's so repetitive? <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. We're hard-headed. We, 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 we're like Nebuchadnezzar. He should have learned in chapter 2 and, and should have been convinced and, and, and made a, a decision then that he was only going to worship the God of, of Daniel. But he didn't. So God showed him again in chapter 3 with the, with the fiery furnace. But he still didn't. Did he get it? Did he ignore it? He, he just went about his own way. And if enough time passes, I'm going to forget about that event. But now God gives him another nightmare. And he, and he tells, the, the watcher tells Nebuchadnezzar, it's so the living may know that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. Is it, a, is it a timely passage for October in a leap year in, in the U.S. of A., like prior to an election, that does God still control kingdoms? Does God still put who he wants in charge? Could it be, depending on which side of the aisle you want to be on, uh, you know, the bride or the groom, it, or, could it be to awaken us like he awakened Nebuchadnezzar? I mean, there could be multiple reasons, you know. If your guy doesn't win, it's like there is no way. You know, and think back, I mean, at least, you know, 51% or 49%, somebody is going to be unhappy you know, real close to half of the people. Um, not necessarily half of the voters, but half of the people. So sometimes in the past I've heard this, Mr. Thomas, would you like to share with the class? <laughs> I'll cover my microphone. Mrs. Sachs. <laughs> she said, I hope it's not us, meaning the, the side that she's 
that she's on. I do too. <clears throat> I hope it's not us. <laughs> I hope it's them. A tree is a, is a metaphor in, in, in throughout the Bible, really. And, and then I guess the ultimate is, cursed is him who is hanged on a tree uh, that, that, that here's a, a, another tree and that you have the tree of the knowledge of, the good, and e of good and evil and then the, the tree of eternal life. Okay, we're going to stop in verse 18. What, what do we... What do we have so far? What can we, can we glean from this? Pride cometh and then, and then the fall. How patient was God with Nebuchadnezzar? Very, I mean, he gives him... Uh, another chance, you know that it that it we we certainly see Nebuchadnezzar's pride. He's at ease, you know. I'm sure you've 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 read ahead or you're familiar with with what's going to happen there in about um, verse 28. But it also demonstrates just. God's mercy and grace, even to somebody on the blacklist. It's like, did anybody think Chuck Colson in the early 70s, mid-70s, would ever give his life to Jesus Christ? And he would have been, it, it, did anybody think Saul of Tarsus would follow Jesus of, of Nazareth? And that God doesn't give up on people. Nor should, yeah, thank goodness. I mean, we are living proof of that, that God did not give up on, on us. And so it, it, it can also, um, you know, lead us to maybe analyzing how we look at others. Any, anything else before we go? Well, thank you for your participation and, and, and maybe patience. Um, we'll see the conclusion next week. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we just need to be reminded over and over that you alone are sovereign, that you're the most high God, that only your kingdom will endure that all earthly kingdoms will be, will be crushed by the rock, uncut by human hands. God, just give us humble hearts to, to bow before you, to yield to your will, and to not boast in anything except for Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen.